Adrian Rogers was a motivator, an encourager, and a leader of the faith. He was also passionate about presenting scriptural application to everyday life circumstances. And you'll hear that in today's message. Now, let's join Adrian Rogers. Today we're talking about our Lord Jesus Christ and His unblemished life. Do you remember when you were a child and it was near Christmas? Perhaps the Christmas tree was in the family room and uh, it was decorated. Maybe your family hung stockings by the chimney. There were presents under the tree and you could hardly wait till Christmas morning. I'm going to give you a story today about a man who was anticipating Christmas. He was waiting for Christmas, the very first Christmas, the very best Christmas ever. His name was Simeon. He was looking. He was waiting. He was longing. He was anticipating the coming of Jesus Christ into this world. Now, let's look, if we will, in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And behold, you know what that means, congregation? Behold, it means pay attention. <laughs> Listen, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's just another way of saying waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Literally, before he had seen Messiah. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There were many who missed the first coming of Jesus that first Christmas morning because they did not understand or they did not believe the clear Bible prophecies of his first coming into the world. It was clear, it was plain, it was there in the Word of God, and yet they missed it either through ignorance or unbelief. Now, that Jesus who came before is coming again, right? He is. You need to be careful lest you miss the second coming of Jesus Christ by ignorance or unbelief because the same scriptures that clearly prophesied his first coming, those same scriptures have prophesied his second coming. And as his first coming was literally fulfilled, friend, his second coming will be literally fulfilled. You need to be ready for Christmas 
by being ready for the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if you're not ready for his second coming, his first coming certainly is going to be your condemnation. So I want us to think about how to be ready for Christmas, how to be ready for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now let's just check up right now and see if you're ready. You want to make a a list? I want to mention some things that were true about Simeon that surely ought to be true about every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place today if you're ready for Christmas. First of all, may I ask you this question, are you saved? I didn't ask if you're a Baptist, Methodist, or a nice person. I didn't ask, uh, do you give to the Red Cross? I didn't ask, are you generous, kind, and compassionate? I said, are you S-A-V-E-D, saved? You know, Jesus came to save his people. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Look now in Luke chapter 2 and verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just. He was just. That means he was right with God. We are justified by faith. You say, now, wait a minute. How could Simeon be saved if Jesus had not yet died on the cross? If Jesus is just a little baby, how could this man be a saved man? The Old Testament saints were saved by looking forward to the coming of Jesus. The Bible teaches that Abraham was justified by faith. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. We in this dispensation in time are saved by looking backward to the death of Christ. But all are looking, whether forward or backward, we're all looking upward to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you saved? Are you, listen, are you absolutely certain beyond the shadow of any doubt or peradventure that if Jesus Christ who came the first time were to come again this time, are you absolutely certain that you're saved? Now, my friend, if you don't receive Christ as your personal Savior and Lord... You're not ready for Christmas, nor are you ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. All right? First question, are you saved? Second question, are you surrendered? Because this same verse says this man was devout. Devout. (laughs) That's an adjective we don't use a whole lot these days. Are you devout? That means do you have a burning, passionate love in your heart for the Lord Jesus Christ? He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and that's why he was devout. You know the mark that you're really ready for Jesus to come again is that you're devout. The apostle John says, when we have this hope in us, we're going to purify ourselves. Now, if you're dabbling in the world, living in sin, carelessly, recklessly, you're not ready for the first coming or the second coming. You're not ready for Christmas. You're not ready for Jesus Christ to come again. Blessed hope leads to blessed holiness. Would you agree with that? Are you you devout? Are you holy? What is the passion of your life? Answer that question. What is the passion of your life? It ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you saved? Are you surrendered? Now, let me ask you another question. Are you spiritual? The Bible says there, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Is the Holy Ghost upon you? I mean, is your life imbued with the Spirit of Almighty God? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Now, if you're saved, you have the Spirit, (laughs) but does He have you? Can you say that your body is a surrendered vessel? Does He have all of you? That, my friend, is the difference between sagging or soaring. Here was a man who was spiritual. He was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Next question, are you sensitive? I ask, are are you saved? Are you surrendered? Are you spiritual? Are you sensitive? Do you know what the name Simeon means? 
It means one who hears. It means listening one. Look in verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Here was a man who was in contact with God and God could lead him. And the Lord spoke to Simeon specially and said, Simeon, Simeon, listen, you're not going to die until you see Messiah. Now here was a man who was hardwired to God through the Holy Spirit of God. Did you know that the same spirit that led Simeon to the temple so long ago to meet the Lord Jesus and hold Jesus in his arms is the same Holy Spirit who wants to guide you as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. And the same Holy Spirit that revealed to Simeon the first coming of Jesus is the Holy Spirit that wants to reveal to you the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you sensitive? Can God speak to you? How about your prayer life? So often in our prayer life, we are telling God these things. We think God's some sort of a heavenly Santa Claus. And we come with a shopping list of the things we want. And we say, now listen, Lord, your servant speaks. When we ought to say, listen, uh, uh, speak, Lord. I'm listening. I am the listening one. Now, here was a man. Listen, he was getting ready for Christmas. He was saved. Uh, He was surrendered. Uh, Friend, he was a man who was spiritual. He was a man who was sensitive. And he was a man who was satisfied. Look in verses 28 and 29. Then took he him up in his arms, that is Simeon, takes the baby Jesus up in his arms because Mary and Joseph had come uh, for certain purification rites to the temple. Old Simeon, old Simeon has been waiting for Messiah. Simeon is led by the Holy Spirit into the temple. He sees the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God says to Simeon, that's the one. That's the baby. And Simeon takes this baby in his arms, holds this baby to his chest and says, now, Lord, now I'm ready. Let me depart in peace because, Father, you have spoken to me. Look, if you will, in verses 28 and 29. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace. Now listen to this. According to thy word. Now, this is just so wonderful. Here we have the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the Son of God coming together that brings the peace of God in a heart. Do you have peace? If you don't have peace, you're not ready for Christmas. Are you ready to die? If you're not ready to die, you're not ready for Jesus to come. You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Here's a man who says, Lord, uh, just take me on home. Take me home. I am ready to depart in peace for blessed in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. No man, no woman is ready to live until they're no longer afraid to die. Now, thank God that the second coming of Jesus Christ may deliver us from death, but we may die before he comes. But one thing we know that we know that we know we're ready for Christmas and we're ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ if we meet these qualifications that were in the life of this man, Simeon. Now, having said all of that, That's just the front porch. Let's go in the house, okay? That's just an introduction to the message. Now, here's the message. We're talking about Jesus Christ, his incomparable life. And Simeon says six things about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says these by divine prophecy. He says these because he's a man anointed and filled with the Holy Ghost of God. And they're things that I want you to learn about our dear Savior who stepped out of heaven and came to earth. Who is this baby that Simeon held in his arms? Number one. He is the one who brings deliverance. He is the one who will bring your deliverance. Chapter 2, look in verses 30 and 31. 
He says, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to heaven. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Why did Jesus come? To deliver us. Uh, the baby that Mary delivered was the one who would deliver us, as the song says. He is our deliverer. This is a hell-bound world. This is a sin-bound world. This is a world that needs a Savior, and that's the reason that Jesus came to earth. He was born of a virgin, that we might be born again. Now, you know there are a lot of people who get all excited about a, a baby. The merchants get excited about babies this time of the year and the Christ child and the manger scenes. Why? Because the jingle bells to them are the bells of the cash register. Right now it's, for you, it's jingle bells. A little while it'll be juggle bills. <laughs> but uh, they're all excited about a baby. Well, anybody can look around and dance around a, a crib like that. But these people don't understand that Jesus Christ has come as a Savior to save them from their sins. That same giddy crowd that is dancing around the manger, give them one week, and they'll be in a drunken stupor singing Old Lang Syne. Same crowd. Listen, friend. Get away from this sentimentality about a baby being born and understand that that baby is the Savior of the world. When Simeon held him in his arms, he said, I've seen your salvation. He is the Christ of deliverance. Number two, he is the one who dispels darkness. Not only does he bring deliverance, he dispels darkness. Look, if you will, now, verses 32 and 33. Simeon said, he is a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Jesus is the light. There's no reason for you to stumble in darkness when you can walk in the light. You will never understand the meaning of life until you know the light of the world whose name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know there's some people who are afraid of Jesus. We laugh at children being afraid of the dark. I think more ridiculous than that is an adult afraid of the light. Men hate the light, and they will not come to the light because their deeds are evil. But he is the light, and he is a delight, and there's no greater joy than to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who dispels darkness. If you're stumbling in darkness, if you want to know the way, he is the way. If you need light, he is the light. If you're seeking for understanding, he is the truth. Friends all around me are trying to find what the world yearns for by sin undermined. I have the secret. I know where it is found. Only true pleasures in Jesus abound. Friend, Jesus is all this world needs today. Blindly they strive for sin darkens their way. Oh, to pull back the grim curtains of night. One look at Jesus and all will be light. He is the one who dispels darkness. Number three, he Jesus is the one who determines destiny. Look again, if you will, in verse 34. And Simon blessed them, that is, Mary and Joseph, and said unto Mary his mother. Notice he doesn't say unto Joseph his father. Mary his mother, he blessed them. But he didn't say father and mother because Jesus was the earthly child of a heavenly father and the heavenly child of an earthly mother. And he blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, this child is set for the fall 
and the rising again of many in Israel. I'm going to stop reading right there. He's the Christ of destiny. Listen, you will fall or rise on Jesus. Jesus will be to you a stepping stone or he will be a stumbling block. But your destiny is determined by what you will do with the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was studying this passage, a scripture came to my mind, 1 Peter 2, verses 6 through 8. Put it down. Peter says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded, that is, shall not be put to shame, for unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. What does that mean? Christ is the solid rock. Christ is the foundation stone. Christ is the cornerstone, and he's before you today. You can build on him or stumble over him, but you cannot go around the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the one who determines destiny. Either Jesus Christ will be your savior or Jesus Christ will be your judge. He will be a stepping stone or a stumbling stone, but you have an appointment with Jesus Christ. He is inescapable. He is inevitable. He is unavoidable. You have a date with Jesus. You're going to meet him as Savior or Judge. But as I live, as I stand here today, I'm telling you with all of the emphasis, function, unction, and emotion of my soul, please listen to me. This baby that Simeon held in his hands is the Christ of your destiny, one way or the other. He is either the door that lets you in or the door that keeps you out. But you have a date with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Jesus Christ will do with you is determined by what you will do with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give it to you very clearly and very plainly. John chapter 3, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If you today are not a believer, if you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not one day that you're going to face the wrath of God. The wrath of God is abiding on you right now. This baby, this baby is the one who determines destiny. Now next, I want you to see he is the one who provokes derision. He is the one who provokes derision. Look, if you will, again in verse 34. And Simeon said unto them and unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. That, friend, is destiny. And listen to this. And for a sign which shall be spoken against. Jesus, this baby, is going to face derision. He's going to face mockery. He's going to face blasphemy. When the Lord Jesus Christ was here on earth, some said, you're mad. Others said, he has a demon. Others said, he's a wine-bibber and a glutton. Others inferred that he was born out of fornication when the Pharisees said, we be not born of fornication. We know who our father is. 
Do you get the sly, put down the slur that they put upon the Lord Jesus Christ? He is a sign that will be spoken against. If he is not spoken against, you can be sure the gospel is not being preached. Now, I know how to preach if I wanted to without any derision from the worldly crowd. Just preach a Jesus, not virgin born, not sinless, no deity, no demand for the new birth, no standard of right and wrong, no judgment, no discipleship, and especially this, no only way to heaven. No only way to heaven. Just preach that. Now today, we're all un American. If we don't put our arms around everybody else and say, your faith is just as good as ours, that is not so. That is a lie out of hell. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. None. You see, if Jesus is not the only way, he can't be any of the ways. If Jesus is not the only way, he's a liar. For he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Either that's true or it's not true. Now, if it is true, he is the only way. If it is not true, he is a liar, and he is none of the ways. You can't just tip the hat to Jesus. You must bow the knee to Jesus. The early Christians could have escaped martyrdom had they offered a pinch of incense to Caesar and said, Caesar is Lord and Christ is Lord. But they said, no, Christos Kurios. He is the Lord. He is the only one. You see, this is the Christ of derision. He's the one who is spoken against. The Bible says at one time, one occasion in the Bible, they laughed him to scorn. Can you imagine holding his eyes, <laughs> pointing to Jesus, laughing him to scorn? More of that is happening in the world today. Jesus is the one who is derided. He's the one who's spoken against. Have you ever thought about how this world hates Jesus Christ? We're going to talk about that in a little bit, even more. They use his name in vain. They take the name of our Lord and Savior and mix it in the muck and mire and slime of their profanity and take that holy name upon their lips. They're people who mock Jesus and they mock him more and more for he is a sign that is spoken against. Now come up close and I'm going to tell you something. If you are his disciple, you also will be spoken against. The Bible says beware when all men speak well of you. And contrarywise, Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. And it is time that preachers in America stop trying to win popularity contests and preach Jesus Christ, who may be the Christ of derision, but he's the only Savior of the world. Amen. The only Savior of the world. The only one. He is the Christ of derision. And number five, he is the one who causes division. You say, Pastor Rogers, you, you, you're dividing folks. That's true. That's true. Look again in chapter 2, verse 35. Yea, a sword 
shall pierce through thy own soul also. Now he's speaking to Mary. He's saying, Mary, a sword is going to pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Jesus is the most divisive force that has ever come into this world. Jesus divides human hearts. Let me give you a, a, an ancillary scripture here. Put in your margin, Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Simeon said, Mary, this baby is going to be like a sword in your heart. It's going to divide between your natural emotions as a mother and your desire for the will of God. And you're going to find this conflict between natural emotions and the spiritual life, between the, your soul and the spirit. All of us, all of us who have received the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord feel that sword on the inside, do we not? The pull of the old life and the desire of the new life. Do you ever feel that conflict? You say, Pastor Rogers, I, I don't have any conflict. I'm just doing just fine. <laughs> you're not doing as fine as you think you're doing. If you and the devil, if you've never met the devil, it's because you and the devil have been going in the same direction. You turn around, you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you become twice born, you let the Spirit of God come into you, and you're going to find that old nature and that new nature. There's going to be a division in your life. The Lord Jesus divides the individual. I'll tell you what else he does. He divides families. You say, oh, oh, no, no, Jesus unites families. Well, why don't you get your Bible and read it? Let me give you a verse. Matthew 10, beginning in verse 34. Think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Who said that? Jesus. <laughs> Hold on now, buckle your pew belt. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now listen to this, folks. You want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and falleth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Now, Jesus is the unifier of families that are built on him. Jesus is the unifier of those who believe in him. How sweet it is to have this fellowship because we are one in the bond of love. But Amos 3, 3 asks this question. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, when Jesus said that if we love father or mother, children or anyone else more than he, we're not worthy of him. That doesn't mean we're not to love our families. I'm married to a lady that I would lay down my life for. She's absolutely indescribably precious. But she knows she's not number one. She knows that. She knows she's number two. She knows that I love Jesus more than I love her. 
And she knows because I love Jesus more than I love her. I love her more than I could without Jesus. She knows that. So she doesn't mind being number two uh, to Jesus Christ, nor should you. But there can be no one other uh, who is number one other than Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ can divide families. And there may be some of you who, whose parents don't want you to come to Jesus. There may be some of you who would say, I would have to disallow the uh, tradition of my family if I come to Jesus. There's some of you who would say, my parents would not like it if I came to Jesus. Come anyway. Come anyway. Give your heart to Jesus Christ. He is the Christ who divides the human uh, spirit. He is Christ who divides families. He is Christ who may divide a church. Now, you all, you look so beautiful this morning. <laughs> Every one of you looks so holy. But you're not all holy. You say, Pastor, you don't know who's who. You're right, but God does. And I've been preaching long enough to know in a crowd like this, not everybody's saved. Not everybody who has the name of the church role is saved. Ah, there are husbands and wives sitting here together. But there is a division between husbands and wives as far as east is from the west, as far as heaven is from hell, because one is saved and the other is left, and you may be touching one another right now, but should the rapture come or should you die, you would be separated for all eternity. The Lord divides churches. The Lord looks at this church this morning, and the Lord sees the choir saying, the Lord knows how many of those choir members understand and believe what they're singing and those who may not. The Lord sees when the offering is taken and you put your money in. But the Lord knows who are, is giving this morning instead of himself or rather than himself. The Lord knows when a preacher is preaching, whether that preacher is preaching the word of God out of a heart that is pure and clean or whether that man is just mouthing something, whether he's a hireling. The Lord knows all of that. The Lord knows when the congregation sings, oh, how I love Jesus, whether they love Jesus or not. And I'm telling you that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who divides the professing church. He is the great divider. Not all professors are possessors. Jesus said at the judgment, many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. What a sad division there will be when Jesus therefore comes again. Jesus is dividing and he will divide for all eternity. At the judgment, he will divide between the sheep and the goats, the saved and the lost. And when he looks, his decision is not going to be on the, made on the bank book of finance or the blue book of society, but the Lamb's book of life. We divide people in stratas. We say upper class, middle class, and lower class, but God divides right and left, saved or lost. He is the Christ with the sword in his hand. I'm talking about serious business now. You get past this sentimentality about a little baby. Here Simeon is holding this baby in his arms. Now here's the sixth thing and the final thing I want to say about this baby. He is the one who reveals decisions. Look again, if you will, in verse 35. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. Now watch this. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Do you know what the preaching of this word is doing today? Is revealing your thoughts. 
It's exposing you to yourself and to God. He's the one who is revealing decisions. You see, the gospel is a savor of life unto life or death unto death. When I'm preaching, you may say, I don't agree with that. I will not accept that. I refuse that. I repudiate that. I will not yield to that. He's revealing your heart. There are those who say that is true. What he says is true. I need a Savior. I need to be saved. I need to love him, know him, and follow him. His word is revealing your heart. You see, what makes the difference in individuals? It's not education. It's not social status. It is not environment. People can be raised in the same family, children. One child loved God and the other child not loved God. Cain and Abel had basically the same environment. Two thieves on the cross. One crucified on Jesus' right hand, one on the other. One of those thieves cursed and blasphemed and spit blasphemies in the face of Jesus. Another one of those dying thieves said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I'll preach this morning and some will say yes to Jesus and some will say no to him and the preaching of him will decide and determine and reveal what's in your heart. The same preaching. It's a sword uh, that cuts life unto life or death unto death. The same sun that melts ice hardens clay. The same sermon that brings people to Jesus can harden people and turn them away from Jesus. But it's not the sermon that really does it. The sermon only reveals the heart. What is really in you is determined by how your heart resonates to the preaching of Jesus. Look at the verse again. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts shall be revealed. Now, what you do with Jesus is going to determine what Jesus does with you. Do you know what Simeon did? Simeon took this baby held him in his arms, brought him to his breast, and said, Lord God, I'm ready to go. Let me depart in peace. I have seen your salvation. Today, you can embrace Jesus with the arms of faith. Today, you can receive him as your Lord and Savior. The Jesus who came the first time in literal fulfillment of Scripture is coming again. Amen. A man told a story I read. I can hardly ever forget it. He said he went down to the train station and people were getting off the train and meeting loved ones and there was embracing and kissing. I don't travel by train but plane 
I love to get off the airplane and watch the people greet their loved ones. Don't you love to do that? And when they kiss, I travel with Joyce most of the time, but it's just a good chance I turn around and kiss her because everybody else is kissing. <laughs> and just, you know, just take advantage of every opportunity. But they're, they're greeting one another. And people were getting off the train and they were greeting. But this man saw some men walk up and they had a man with them. And that man had handcuffs on. And they were leading him away on that train. Evidently, he was going to the penitentiary. And his children were there. And his wife was there. And they were weeping and wailing as this man was being led away. And then that man said, you know, he said, that's so much like the coming of Jesus. What joy it will be to those of us who know him. What joy it will be when we have that grand reunion, when we meet our loved ones, when Jesus comes. But how sad it will be for some who will be bound and cast into outer darkness. What Jesus does with you depends upon what you will do with him. You can accept him or you can reject him. You can crown him or you can crucify him. But you cannot ignore him. He is the Christ of destiny. If you're not certain that you're saved, I want you to get it certain right now. Would you pray a prayer like this, dear God? I know that you love me. I know that you want to save me. Jesus, you died to save me. You promised to save me if I would trust you. I do trust you, Jesus. I believe you're the Son of God. I welcome you into my life. I receive you now by faith as my Lord and Savior. Thank you that you died on that cross and shed your blood for me. Thank you that you paid my sin debt with your blood. And now by faith, I thank you for my salvation. I don't look for a feeling. I don't ask for a sign. I just stand on your word. You cannot lie. Now, Lord Jesus, I'm very weak. So begin now to make me the person you want me to be. And Jesus, help me never to be ashamed of you. In your name I pray. Amen. If you would like to learn more about how you can know Jesus or deepen your relationship with him, simply click the Discover Jesus link on our website, lwf.org. For a copy of this message or additional resources, visit our online store at lwf.org or call 1-800-274-5683. Thank you.